listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. this day. God, we are truly honored and we're so excited, God, of what you're doing in this church. We're excited for Robert and his family, Pastor Robert. God, just each one, God. And God, we just pray, God, that we're excited about what you're doing in our lives and our families. And God, again, it starts right now that you would change us, that you would equip us, that you would revive us in every way, God, and we'll give you all the praise and we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Shout amen in the house. Come on, high five three people around you and say, love like Jesus. Love like Jesus. Love like Jesus. I wonder what we're talking about today. We're talking about loving like Jesus. This is just a mini-series for the next two weeks. We're going to be doing this. I'm excited about the series that we're going to be kicking off in May also. Why do we do what we do? We're going to look at main areas of church life when it comes to praise and worship, prayer, the Holy Spirit, giving. We're going to look at those areas and answer the question, why do we do those things? Why do we do what we do? So please make sure and make that commitment to be here with us and tell all your friends. But I'm excited about this mini-series, Serving Other People, is what we're going to talk about today. As we look at the love of Jesus, how can I love like Jesus? There's no greater example that this world has ever seen. There's no greater example this world has ever known than the example of Christ. How he came and loved other people, how he came and served. But guess what? He left that example for us to follow. He left that so we could still do that. And really this story or this series is the prequel to the Easter story. A lot of prequels out there. Star Wars. Any Star Wars fans in the house? Come on, let me see. The Rogue is what? It's a prequel of something that happened before. The Wizard of Oz. They had a prequel. There's a lot of the story before the story. What happened for the main event to take place? And that's what we're going to look at. This is the prequel of Easter. We know the main event of Easter, that Jesus came and he died upon the cross. But this is the story before that story. Because yes, it's important we see the love of Jesus upon the cross. I love this scripture, John 15, 13. Greater love has no man than this. Than to what? Lay down his life for his friends. That's the love story of Easter. That Jesus, no greater love, that he laid it down. And he calls you and I his friend, and thank God for the love upon the cross. But what about the love that took him to the cross? And that's what we're going to look at, parts of the life of Jesus, the love that took him to the cross. It's the same way with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If I was to ask most of you in here, you would know who they are. They are the boys that what? Went to the fiery furnace. They went through 
the fire, that's how they're known. Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went through the fiery furnace. But little is often talked about or mentioned in regards to why they went to the fire. What qualified them to go into the fiery furnace? Because it had to be something, listen to me right now, it had to be something life-changing. Because if not, they would have been bowing just like everyone else. When the king played the music, commanded everyone to bow, they bowed down, they worshipped his golden idol. There had to be something different inside of those boys. They were even given another chance. Read the story, Daniel chapter 1 and chapter 3. They were given another chance as the king said, hey, come on up here and I'll, I'll give you a private fanfare. I'm going to play again and then when you hear the music, you bow. And if you don't, I'm going to heat the fire up seven times hotter. And they refused to bow and they stood and the men who threw them in to the fiery furnace perished because of the intense heat But they still refused. It's a whole other message here, but I'm telling you something. There's something very powerful about making a stand and saying what? I'm not going to defile myself with the things of this world. Because that's what they did. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they stood up and said, Hey, everyone else may be doing this, but as for me and my house... I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go that way. They made a stand before they had to stand. Come on now. They made a stand before they stood. They purposed in their heart. Listen to me. You don't just wake up and stand. You've got to be prepared to stand. It's a daily commitment. It's a lifestyle that you must choose to take in your life. Look at this statement. Don't wait until there's a problem to find the answer. Come on, I'm preaching already. Don't wait, because by the time the problem comes, you're probably behind in the answer. You need the answer before the problem comes, amen? You need to be prepared for when the struggles and the tribulations come, that you have the answer inside of you. Corinthians says we have a treasure inside of us, that though we may be knocked down, though we may be perplexed, though we may be confused, though we may be destroyed, come on, we are not out of the fight, we're not out of the battle. Why? Because God is with us. And I love one translation says knocked down, but we're not knocked out. Why? Because there's a treasure. There's something that we've prepared inside of us. We're preparing for the storms. We're preparing for the trials. In your car, on your dash, when you leave, you probably don't know it because you probably haven't seen them, but there are warning lights. The warning lights are there to give you a warning. If the light comes on, it normally gives you enough chance to get into the mechanic shop where you can get that fixed and you can get that taken care of. But how silly would it be to ignore the warning signs? Maybe even take a hammer and say, man, that light just drives me crazy. There you go. The light's gone. Fixed the problem. Turn to your neighbors, say, no problems fixed. No problems fixed. And then one day we're stranded at the side of the road... And we're like, God, what happens? Duh, God says nothing happens. And that's why you're where you're at. Because if it would have happened, if you would have taken it in and heeded the warning before the problem, then everything would have been okay. So we're going to look at the last moments of Jesus before the cross. And we're going to discover today how we can love like Jesus 
despite the situations and the circumstances that may still be facing us. Just like Jesus knew what was about to happen. But even knowing it all, he still chose to love. He still chose to love each and every time. What an example we see from Jesus. And I want to read that example today. John chapter 13, if you have your Bibles, you can turn, it's on the screen. John 13, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew his hour had come, literally hours, moments away from being betrayed by Judas, that he should depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Powerful words there. He loved them to the end. Love like Jesus. How do we love? To the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, meaning all authority had been given to Jesus, and that he had come from God and he was going to God. Stop, stop. Listen a second. So here we are. They are in the upper room. It's the last moments before Jesus. John writes that all authority has been given to Jesus. In other words, Jesus could have chosen a different way. He still had to surrender his will as he said, Father, I surrender my will, not my will, but your will be done. So John is setting up this moment that could be going through. Think of the emotion right now that's going through Jesus. You can't even begin to imagine the emotion of that time. What's facing him on the inside so much? He's literally carrying the weight of the world, the sins of the world. He is facing something so horrific that kind of we cannot even begin to imagine and describe. But knowing all of this, the Bible still says he chose to love to the end. So what does he do? What would you do in a moment like that? If you were told you had moments before you were going to suffer a horrific death, what would you do? One thing we see is Jesus didn't isolate himself. He didn't say, hey, leave me alone. I, I just got to go over here and pray. He didn't say, hey, I, I can't be fooled with this because I've got some really important things. You know what Jesus did? Jesus walked over to the corner of the room. And he began to do something. He began to do something. Read on with me, it says. And Jesus rose from the table of supper. And he laid his garment aside. And he took a towel and he girded himself. He got up from the table and he walked over and he grabbed a towel. The Bible says taking his outer garment off. And he took a towel and he wrapped it around himself. And the Bible says, and after that he poured water into a basin. And he went around and he began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was girded around him. I just want that to sink in for a moment. I want that to sink in. He refused to allow what he was facing to rob him and to stop him from his mission to love others. 
to serve others, to be there. I think it's pretty interesting that Luke gives us further insight to this moment. Luke talks about that Jesus has just broken bread. He said, this is my body. He's just poured the cup. This is my blood, the new covenant. This is the New Testament. Jesus has actually said, someone in this room is going to betray me. They're having this conversation. In fact, the disciples are going backwards and forwards on, man, who could that be? Is it me, Jesus? Is it him? Is it you? Are you going to do that? Who's going to do that? There's all this conversation that's going on. And then in the middle of it all, amazingly enough, here's the disciples who have been with Jesus and followed him for a number of years now. They should know better than anyone else. But look at the dispute that they now get into in Luke 22 and verse 24. Now there was also a dispute amongst them as to which one of them was or should be considered the greatest. In the Last Supper, Jesus has just said, I'm going to give my life, I'm going to die. And now they're fighting about who's the greatest. John can say, well, man, it has to be me. I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. I mean, come on. Peter's like, forget that. I'm the one that walked on the water. And then there's a, yeah, and you began to sink, didn't you? They're having a dispute. They're having an argument. Who is the greatest in the moment? And Jesus says to them, verse 25, The king of the Gentiles exercises lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But it shall not be so among you, on the contrary. Because he who is greatest amongst you, let him be as the younger. And he who governs as he who Serves. New Living Translation says, but among you it will be different. Because those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should become like a servant. Then I believe this is the part of what now John picks up. This is the part, I believe, right now where Jesus gets up from the table. They're having a dispute. Jesus has just spoken to them and said, come on, this is not how it is in my kingdom. This is not what I've shown you and taught you. And I believe Jesus gives them one more object lesson as he says these words. For he who is greater, is it he who sits at the table or is it he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table in man's thinking? Yet, he says, I am among you as one who, what? Serves. The whole time, I believe what's happened is he says, you've got it all wrong, guys. Because the greatest one is the one that is willing to get down and to be the servant and wash someone else's feet. How small must they have felt in that moment? How small must they have felt in that moment? Wow. I'm sure they remembered something else. Because they had some disputes. The disciples had some disputes, you know. Because one, one day, James and John's mother comes to Jesus. And her, their mother said, hey, Jesus, when you get to heaven, here's what I want. I want you to hook my boys up. And I want one to sit on one side and I want one to sit onto the other. This is just moments. This is just days before this is happening again. They don't get it. Come on. We can look and say, what's up with them? We're the same way. I said, we're the same way. 
Matthew 20, and begin in verse 25, but Jesus called them to Himself. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Sound familiar, doesn't it? He's just said this again. He's already had this conversation with them and they're still not getting it. Verse 26, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great amongst you, let him be your servants. Whoever desires to be first among you, that word in the Greek means great, mega. Whoever desires to be mega, great, awesome, let him what? Be the slave. Because just as the Son of Man, speaking of himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his ransom for many. He's had this conversation with them before, but yet they're still too prideful. They're still too unwilling to serve and to be there for each other. Sounds a lot like us many times, you know, I haven't got time for that. What, me? No way. I mean, if you ask me to do something great, then maybe, but what? That? No way. Don't you see the value? Don't you see the potential? Man, even if I wanted to, I mean, come on, for real. It's too below my pay scale. I heard a great story one day of a, a man who was pretty deathly sick. The doctors had really given very little hope for the man. So the wife said, can I talk to your doctor? And she took the doctor into a room and she said, well, what's the deal? I mean, is he going to die? What's going to happen? The doctor says, there is some hope. And here's the hope. He needs to be taken care of hand and foot 24 hours a day. She says, well, what does that mean? Well, you're going to have to do everything for him. He's going to be unable to cook, clean, serve himself, prepare. So you're going to have to bathe him. You're going to have to cook for him. You're just going to have to be his nurse 24-7. And, then, and the lady said, that's the only thing that's going to save his life. And she said, the doctor said, yeah, that's the only thing. So let me get this right. So if I take care of him and do everything for him, then he has a chance to pull through. And the doctor said, yes. So the lady said, thank you, doctor, goes back to the husband. And the husband says to the wife, so what did the doctor say? And the wife said, the doctor said, you're going to die. (laughs) Funny story, but yet can reign so true in many of our lives. What to serve someone and to do that, man, no, you're just going to die. There's no way. You see, we've got to understand the tradition of the day. The tradition of that day was that when anyone would come to your home and they would come around your house, there was actually two things that you would do as a host. The first thing was that you would take them and you would greet them and you would kiss them on the cheek. That was a sign that you were allowing them welcome into your house. The second thing that you would do was that you would wash their feet. Because in those days, there was no paved roads. You could imagine how dirty, dusty, nasty their feet must have been. Open-toed sandals. Their feet were so nasty. And this was a job that wasn't done by the host, but the lowest servant in that home. That was where you begun. I mean, that was the lowest job that you could have. It was regarded as the least of the least. Not very nice. Nasty feet. I don't like feet. Anyone with me on that? Don't like feet. But here is Jesus. He's the saviour of the world. But the night before the cross, 
He's doing the most lowly, menial thing that a man could do. Washing their feet. You know, I've heard a few times of, um, you know, different gatherings where people have done this, where they've washed feet. I don't know if you've been in a situation where you've maybe had your feet washed. But I remember a number of years ago, probably about six, seven years ago, I was invited to a pastor's breakfast. And it was the first time I'd gone to this pastor's breakfast. And I was really excited about it. I had to get up early. I think I left the house about six in the morning. And, uh, but the night before this was happening, Molly decides that she wanted to paint my toenails. Okay, Molly, Molly at that age, she was about eight, nine years of age. So she says, Dad, can I paint your toenails? I've already told her for like weeks, no, no, no. But in my moment of weakness, I'm like, yeah, Molly, okay, just do it, okay? So, so I'm laying on the couch and she's painting my toenails. Nice pink, hot pink, looked really cool. Really cool, really cool, really cool. So I'm just watching the TV, thought nothing of it, go to bed, and then at three in the morning, I wake up. I have a pastor's breakfast in the morning. The horror and the fear that came across my heart is, what if they do a foot washing? (laughs) And I have to take my shoes and socks off, and I've got pink nails. Come on now. So at three in the morning, I'm frantically going through the bathroom trying to find nail polish. Could not find nail polish remover. So I'm like wearing three pairs of socks as I go to that place. And thank God, God answered my prayer when we had no foot washing ceremony that day. True story. And by the way, my toenails are not painted today, just in case you need to know that. That was a one-off job. But here's my point today. If we're going to look at loving like Jesus, here's my point today. I can do that. If we're looking at loving like Jesus, the point today is this. I can do that. If Jesus can do something that everyone else thought they were too above to do, I can do that. How often do we say, I'm not doing that? How often do we say, that's beneath me? How often do we say, I don't want to be inconvenienced. That's an inconvenience for me. I'm going to the mall. I don't want to stop and be inconvenienced. I don't want to get out of bed 30 minutes earlier to pick someone up for church. That's an inconvenience for me. I don't have the time. And there is no benefit for me. You couldn't be further wrong with that thought. I'm telling you right now, if we could grab a hold of I can do that, this church would be filled with people over And over again, I'm talking about multiple services packed to the rafters. No seating room, people standing everywhere. If we came to a place in our lives that when we saw a need, we met the need. We're we're too good at waiting for someone else. Someone put this across my desk once and I've never forgotten this. We're waiting for someone where perhaps we're the someone that someone is waiting for. Come on, we're waiting for that someone, but we're the someone. We're a someone. We can be the one that can help meet that need. Think about the world as we see it right now. The world has heard the gospel. As a result of the world hearing the gospel, we see great return and reward. Millions upon millions of people's lives have been touched and impacted as a result of the gospel message that's been preached to this world. But I want to take it one step further. What would happen if people saw the gospel at work? 
didn't just hear the message, but they saw the message. I'm telling you, exponential return and reward would happen. Why? Because people are tired of hearing something they are not seeing in the lives of those who are speaking the message. If they saw the gospel with the message, how can I serve you? How can I add value to your life? What can I do? Renee has taken over the outreach of our church and we're just so excited about that. And One of the things that I've been talking to Renee about is this. I just really want to completely change the culture of how we do outreach. Because the whole idea of our outreach and what we want to do is this. How can I add value to a life? Too often, I think, for outreach, a lot of people say, come to my church. You need to come to my church. Come to my church, which is great. But we want to be the outreach that what? Shows people why they need to come to my church. Come on now, you can say a better amen than that. Just come to my church, come to my church. No, we're going to show you why. Because we're in your community serving you. We're asking nothing in return. We are just freely given. That's why you need to come to our church because there are some different people there. Hello, hello, hello. I remember the time when one of my... Older girls, Hannah, I believe it was, was, was still in diapers. And, and it was late at night and I'd been in bed. I think it was a Saturday night. And I, I, I like to try and go to bed earlier on Saturdays just in prepa- preparation for Sundays. doesn't always happen, but I try. And I think I'd been in bed for like two, three hours at the time. And I was away. I was in that land, you know. And I was gone and, and I was awoken by this. You need to go and get some diapers. We're out of diapers. There's, there's nothing in the house. I'm like, man, that's ridiculous. So here I am about midnight, 12.30. And I'm out of bed, been asleep for a couple of hours. And I'm miserable. I'm upset. It's not happened. Baseball cap on. Just not happening. And it definitely is not a chance for me to be a pastor. I just want to go in, pay some money, get back so I can go to bed. And I'm at Walgreens and I'm about to pay. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to serve that lady. I had a conversation with the Holy Spirit right there. And I says, you serve that lady. Come on, just being honest. I'm like, I'm miserable. I'm tired. I don't want to talk to anyone because I was in the middle of a great sleep and I don't want to wake up too much. You know, you kind of keep your eyes half closed because you don't want to wake up fully. And I don't want to talk to that lady. And the Holy Spirit kept impressing upon me. Talk to her. Talk to her. Talk to her. Finally, I pushed through and I says, ma'am, how's everything going? How are you doing? That lady broke down. And began to weep and cry. She said, just behind me over here is the Lady of the Lake Hospital. And I have a very close family member who's in the intensive care on life support machine. And they don't even know if she's going to make it through the night. I says, ma'am, can I pray for you? Can I pray for her? Tony, I'm feeling so small right now. Come on, I'm feeling like, what? who do you think you are? A need right there in front. 
And you, because you were tired and because you were upset that you awoke and you were inconvenienced to be here, but yet there's an opportunity right here, right now. I began to pray with her. And I'm telling you, the tears streamed. And I gave her a hug and she thanked me so much. Thanked me so much. I'm here to tell you today, I don't know the outcome of that story. I never saw that lady again. But one thing I do know is the ability of God. And what God is able to do. And I know what would have happened if I hadn't have said anything that night. Come on now. Then there would have been no opportunity for God to work into that situation. I believe God provided a miracle that night. I believe God did something. Why? Because I said, and here I was, getting ready maybe for the next day, preaching about serving other people. I can't remember what I was going to preach on. But how often we say, God, give me the opportunity to touch a life. And it's right there in front of us. But yet our heads down, baseball caps on. Leave me alone. I can't be bothered right now. Maybe tomorrow. I'm off duty right now. I'm an off duty Christian right now. Nine to five, maybe nine to six. We're talking. Leave me alone right now, God. Here's what I'm telling you today. We may never know the impact of washing someone else's feet. But we will know what will happen if we do nothing. 100% sure nothing's going to happen if you don't do something. You see, I can do that. You've got to get out of yourself. You've got to ask God, God, give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. Give me a heart to care. Find the opportunities. And you're not going to have to look hard for opportunities. They're around us each and every day. And here's Jesus, hours away from the cross, on his knees, serving those who were too unwilling to serve each other. They didn't have a servant. They didn't have someone to do it. No one wanted to do that job. Everyone was looking at someone else to do it, but they skipped right past it and they just went to the meal, something they didn't do until they usually have washed. But each too unwilling to serve each other. My prayer, Kelly's prayer, we want a church where the culture is this, that we're not waiting for someone else to do something that we ourselves can do. Maybe the trash can is overflowing at church. Instead of saying, how come no one empties that? Say, it's mine. I can do that. Where's the dumpster, pastor? Where's the dumpster, Mr. Dan? I can take that. I can do that. Hey, the nursery, here at church, let's just be honest, we always need help. We always need help. We need people who will volunteer. We don't want workers, we want helpers. Come on, we want people who are going to come in there and understand the joys of serving. We want ministers who are going to come and pray with our kids because we don't just babysit back there. We teach them the Word of God. We instruct them. And we can turn around and say, why would I want to do that? Why can't we say it's mine? I can do that. In fact, I like kids. And kids like me, I can serve. We've got kids club. We've got a welcome team. We've got a cleaning team. We've got a creative team. We've got a limo team. Wow, drives buses and brings people to church. We've got a hospitality team. We've got an outreach team. We've got a cafe hope team. You can make coffees for people and serve other people. 
Think what would happen if we said, it's mine, I've got that. I can do that. I can do that. And in doing that, we're not asking you to take selfies. Hashtag, look at me. Come on now on Instagram. Look at me. I'm serving. Look at me. Look, because you know what? It's not about you and me getting the recognition. It's about making a difference in the lives of other people. It's about meeting a need and just not an action, but having the proper attitude to go with it. Because here's our statement. Are you ready? It's never what we do. It's always who we are. That's our statement. Serving is not what we do. We don't serve. Serving is who we are. We're servants. We're willing servants of God. That's our culture here. Be part of that culture. One of the cultures we have here is what we call worship and serve. We love to encourage people to worship and serve. What does that mean to worship and serve? We have two services, 9 o'clock and 11. You can come and worship in one and you can serve in another. And we don't ask you to do something that we don't ask our family to do. Our children, some of our children, Luke's doing the words today. Is he doing a good job? He's doing a good job. Doesn't have to be beat when he gets home. Good job, Luke. Paying attention today. But what I'm saying is, Molly was serving you in the cafe when you came in. Cafe Hope. Kelly's in the back with the nursery today. We ask our children to worship and serve. Rob and Christy. Hear both services. They're kids. If they're in church right now, hey, some of them are in church. The others are out of church serving right now. Why? Because it's something that we believe in. I want to talk to all the parents. Just wave at me, parents, right now. You're here. Can I just help you for a second? If you want your kids to passionately serve Jesus, let me give you just two real quick points. This is a bonus for this message. If you want your kids to passionately serve Jesus, here's two things that you need to do. Let them see you serving him. Let them see you, not just on a Sunday here holding the door open and then cursing someone on the way home. Let them see you modeling the fact that your Bible is open during the week, that you're praying if there's a need in their life. Come on, let's take it to the one. Let them see you modeling the life of service to God. Let them see it's fun and exciting. Oh man, we get to go, have to go to church on Sunday. No, praise God, we get to go to church. It's a joy to go to church. Let them see you up in the morning happy. You can be miserable Monday to Friday if you want, but don't be miserable Sunday morning when it's church time. Come on, let them see the example of your life, the fun and excitement. And secondly, get your kids involved in serving in the house. Let them see you serve and then get them served. Most of the young men and women who do all of our words, our lights, our sound, a lot of things in our church, our nursery helpers, workers, they are all young men and women who are volunteering. And I'm telling you right now, parents, it is so awesome. Why? Because you are teaching them not just to go to church, but to be the church. You are teaching them a contributor mindset, not a consumer mindset. Getting involved. And you know what's happening? And when they get involved, they're building valued friendships. They're building friendships in a service with other people. And now they're looking out for each other. And they now know if I don't show up at church, something's going to be missing because I have something to bring. The importance of teaching your kids. We didn't have a choice to go to church. I've said this many times, but I was on drugs when I was a kid. I was drugged to church every Sunday. And I was drugged to church every Sunday night. I was drugged to church every time. And I thank God my parents drugged me to church. 
Because now I have a love for the heart, uh, for the house of God, because my parents had a heart and a love. You know why I give now like I give? Because I saw my parents giving everything to the house of God. Why this modeled? Be that example. The best servants raise other servants. If you want your kids to serve, you serve. If you ask people today why they don't come to church, one of the biggest answers out there is, I haven't found a church that meets my needs. (laughs) They've got it all wrong. You'll never find a church that's going to meet your needs. Why? Because the church doesn't exist for you. We, the church, exist for the world. Amen? And we've got to be so careful with that. We all have gifts to offer. Gifts that we need to use to serve others. And here's what's so great about serving. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, get this. One of the greatest things about serving is this. God changes other people's lives when we serve. And the first life to change will be yours. Come on, if you're taking notes today, you need to get that down in some shape or form. God changes other lives when we serve. But the first life to change will always be yours. Because all of a sudden, you'll see needs that you never thought possible. You'll begin to understand things. One of the greatest thrills of life, I believe, is to be used of God. Have you ever led someone to Christ? There's no greater thrill than leading someone. There's no greater thrill to know that you pushed. This morning, over here, I I had Judah push a wheelchair right over here. Judah loved it. Teaching him how to serve in the house. He absolutely loved it. We can all teach. There's no greater joy than to be used making a difference. And serve where you're at. Don't just serve in church. You can serve everywhere. You're called to be a Christian 24-7 wherever you are. Serve other people. Take the gospel to other people. Remember what Jesus said. The greatest is the servant of all. Matthew 23, 11. But he who is the greatest amongst you shall be your servant. New Living Translation. The greatest amongst you must be a servant. Message Bible. Do you want to stand out? Then step down and be a servant. I love that. You want to stand out? <laughs> step down. Get that towel and say, hey, how can I serve you today? What can I do to help meet a need? One last scripture and then I'm going to close today. Matthew 25, 14 and 15. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. He called his own servants and he delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents and to another two and to another one each according to his own ability. It's so sad how we look at this today because we've made it about the ability and the amount. Well, how come they get more than me? Why why are they recognized more than me? Well, what about me? He's been talked about a pastor. I've been here longer than him. What does he do more about me? I, I serve him. I make him look good. It's amazing how it becomes so much about the ability and the amount. And that wasn't the message of the story. The message of the story is this. What are you doing with what you do have? Come on, the message of the story is what are you doing with what you have got? Because the Bible says in that parable, one man went out and invested that money, doubled his money. Another put it in the bank and got interest. And one dug a hole and buried it. 
I wonder what you're doing. I wonder if you're using your gift to change a life because at the end of the story, the one who had one left, who had done nothing with it, the Bible says it was taken from him and given to the one who had invested and who had done more. You've got to use your gift to change a life because if not, your gift's going to be taken from you and given to someone else. I don't want my gift to be taken from me. I don't want the smile that I can have, the holding a door open, holding a child, welcoming someone, strapping a wheelchair on the bus, running the the ramp, pouring a coffee. I don't want my gift, my opportunity of blessing to be taken from me. If you want to change your marriage, start serving your spouse. If you want to change the friendships around you, start serving other people. You want to change our community, start serving people. You want to change this church? You need to serve. Everyone in this church, I believe, needs to have something that you're a part of. And this is not an ulterior motive message. We're talking about loving like Jesus. If we're going to be a church that loves like Jesus, then we need to follow the example of Christ. We have our Next Steps program that runs every week. 9.15, go through that and learn. How can I serve? How can I be a part of what's happening in my church? Notice my church, not that church. It's my church. Come on, if there's a piece of trash on the floor, I'm picking it up. That, that, this is my house. Come on. Yeah, I know it's God's house, but this is my house now. I'm re- respecting this. This is honoring, man. If I'm bringing my coffee in church, I'm not spilling it. And I'm putting it in the trash when I leave. Why? Because I am serving God. Let me say this and then I'll close. Moments away from the cross. He's washing feet. Washing feet. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was saying, I can do that. I think every one of us today can say, I can do that. I can love like Jesus. Would you bow your heads all over this place? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.